Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. This is Pastor Josh, and we are going to continue our series here in the book of Romans, and we are really looking at um, just kind of an overview of the gospel. What is the gospel? The extent of the gospel? Um, what does one need to do to receive the gospel? And today what we're going to look at is really the claims of Jesus Christ himself. We'll be in Romans chapter 3, but before we get there, we'll begin in John chapter 14, verse 6. As we look and examine this um, this uh, major premise of the gospel, the thing we're going to focus on today is that there is just one way, and it's important um, to realize that when we declare that there is just one way, that we are simply repeating what Jesus Christ Himself stated. So it is true that many people do reject the exclusive claims of Jesus, and for some, the idea that there is only one way to God seems closed-minded and hurtful. But today, what we're going to look at is we'll examine what does the Bible say about this issue. And based on what the Bible says, why do we believe it to be good news? So the first part we're going to talk about here is going to be in John 14, verse 6. And um, we're going to examine that Jesus declared that he is the only way to God. And it really does come as a surprise to some people, but is Jesus is the one who claimed to be the only way to God. And Jesus declared it, and he said that in John chapter 14, verse 6, that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that's repeated again by the apostles in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. And it wasn't arrogant or self-righteous Christians who made this claim. Rather, Christians are simply repeating what Jesus himself said. A young man once asked a man named Dr. Sean McDowell how he could claim that Jesus is the only way. And he simply replied, I'm not the source of the claim. Jesus is the one who made it. And the apostles who spent time with him proclaimed it as well. So, have you ever considered that Jesus just in fact might be right? And that's what we're going to examine here in this podcast episode. So think about it. Do any of us have the credentials to back up a claim to be God? Of course we don't. In fact, no one would claim to be God because we understand who we are. We are imperfect, sinful creations, but Jesus is the creator. He states that about himself in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that for him and by him are all things made. He lived a sinless life, which was... Um, we, we become aware of that in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. He obviously performed many miracles according to the gospel records. He rose from the dead most significantly and he fulfilled the prophecy that was spoken that he would, when he would come, number one, and that he would rise from the dead. And he gave the world the greatest moral teachings among all who have ever lived. Jesus uniquely has the credentials to make claims about eternal life. So we ought to take these claims very seriously and if we take his claim seriously, we also must take very seriously his words about what it means and what is required to be saved. So in John 14:6, Jesus did not claim to be a way, a truth, or a life. No, he said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So this is a clear passage where Jesus said he is the only way of salvation. But keep something in mind, Jesus was not excluding anyone from the plan of salvation. In fact, what he was doing was inviting everyone to believe in him and to experience salvation. So Jesus, here in John 14:6, had just finished telling his disciples that there are many dwelling places in heaven. He was telling the disciples that he is the way to salvation. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and made salvation possible for us. And he gives us his righteousness so that we can stand before our holy and righteous God. So in doing that, he invites his disciples and ultimately everyone to experience salvation. There is no one who is too far gone that is outside of God's ability to save them. 
And he wishes that all would believe and that none would perish. And we read about that in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Christianity is not exclusive. The claims of Christianity are exclusive, but Christianity is not exclusive. Rather, Jesus told his followers to offer salvation to everyone, to the Jew and to the Greek, to all, to the Gentile, to the barbarian, as Paul says, to everyone who will hear it and receive it, we should share it. We find that in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. If Christianity were exclusive, why would the apostles be so eager to spread it to all people everywhere? So when we're examining this uh, this portion, this part of the gospel, uh, this aspect of it, we need to watch for opportunities to respectfully share Jesus' claim to be the only way to God. Many people would say there are many ways to God, and we have to examine how would we respond to that claim. We gave some evidence earlier. And secondly, how would you answer someone who asked why Jesus is the only way? Well, as we referenced earlier, here's some examples you could go to. His death and his resurrection was God's chosen way to save us. Jesus paid the penalty we owed for our sins, and he gives us his righteousness that is necessary to be in God's presence. So I hope you find some of these aspects of the gospel helpful. We're going to continue the second part of this lesson. Every person has sinned and must trust in Christ alone for salvation. Welcome back to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We're going to continue here with the second part of our lesson, Just One Way. We were earlier in John chapter 14, verse 6, and now we're going to be in Romans chapter 3. We're going to look through verses 10 through 26. The thing we're going to examine in this part is that every person has sinned and must trust in Christ alone for salvation. You know, Jesus said that if people do not believe he is who he said he is, they will die in their trespasses and sins. And you read that in John chapter 8 and verse 24. So that makes us fully aware that sin is not a small thing. It is the ultimate human predicament that leads to eternal separation from God. In fact, sin is a characteristic of a heart in rebellion against God. And we can't save ourselves through our good works. We must trust in what Jesus did for us. Consider this as an example. When a doctor makes a diagnosis and tells his patient the only treatment that is effective He's not trying to be exclusive or he's not trying to be arrogant, but instead he is being truthful and caring. So Jesus and his disciples were acting in a similar fashion when they told people to repent of their sins. Consider this, if people are sick and headed for destruction, as the Bible proclaims, then directing them to the proper treatment is the loving and truthful thing to do. So at this point, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this um, area that we're studying. And we'll think about this together, that Jesus often spoke of the core problem for human beings. That is, hearts that are in rebellion against God. He mentions this constantly through his earthly ministry. And Jesus made it clear that it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of the heart. You'll read about that in Mark chapter 7, verse 14 through 23. So if that's the case, then as human beings, we have hearts and minds that are rebellious against God. And many today downplay human sinfulness. People might say things like, well, I'm only human. We all make mistakes. Nobody is perfect. And those things are absolutely true. But Jesus gets to the core of the matter when he says that our heart condition is much worse than a small blemish or an imperfection. In fact, Jesus says every human sins missing the mark of how God calls us to live and falling short of his perfect standard. So therefore, no amount of good works can make up for the sins that we've already committed. And this sin separates us from God, and there is nothing that we can do to make this right on our own. 
So when we consider all of those things, we must come to the conclusion that this is why we need Jesus, the one who paid the penalty for our sins and brings us back into right relationship with God. And to study some more scripture on that subject, really as Jesus Christ the remedy for our sin, you can look to Isaiah 53.6, John 1.29, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.12, Romans 6.23, and of course 1 John 1 and verse 10. So moving on from this point, we want, we want to continue and look at that the Apostle Paul echoed Jesus' diagnosis in the book of Romans. This is our text that we're at right now in Romans 3. And he used very, various Old Testament passages to make the point that no person is righteous. Not one person is righteous. And no one really seeks after God on his, on his or her own. Every human is turned away from God and no one is truly good. You can look at Romans 3, 10 through 12 to get more information on that. A few verses later, he declares that every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and God's perfect standard. You read that in verse 323. And Paul writes in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This means all. Every single person, everybody, no exceptions. It means you and it means me. It is clear that every one of us is a sinner. It's fundamentally who we are. And what happens to sinners? Well, sin results in spiritual death. We read about that in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And we need to be rescued from spiritual death. And thankfully, Paul points out that we can receive life in Christ Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a diagnosis with a cure. This is not an uncurable disease because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has provided the remedy. And Paul makes this clear in Romans 10 verse 9, that all we have to do is confess our sin, and believe. Remembering how rebellious our hearts were before we placed our trust in Jesus can help us truly appreciate the greatness of salvation. And just as a jeweler often places a diamond on a black cloth to demonstrate its brilliance, so the wonder of our salvation is portrayed when we contrast it with our sin before we knew Christ. So how do we live this out? As Christians, we must acknowledge our sin and live in gratitude for the salvation Christ alone gives. Here's some questions that maybe we could ask ourselves. When did you first realize you were a sinner in need of a Savior? How did you respond? I hope you've responded. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't responded to Christ as your personal Savior, I'd love for you to reach out, and I'd love to have the opportunity to speak with you. And I would love to know that you put your faith in Christ through the ministry that you're listening to right now. And secondly, if you have put your faith in Christ, how does gratitude for what Christ has done for us motivate us to live for Him? So I hope this understanding of there being just one way and our reality of being sinners and what Christ has done for us constantly renews um, our commitment and our motivation to tell others about Christ because of what he's done for us. I hope you'll come back and we'll listen to this last part. Um, we'll go through, we are made right with God through faith in Christ, not by good works. Welcome back to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We are going to look at the final part of our lesson, Just One Way, and we are going to be in Galatians 2 and verse 16. What we're going to look at is how we are made right, not through good works, but through faith in Christ alone. That is what makes us right with God. The word gospel means good news. That's a simple translation of it. It is the good news of what Christ has done for us, which also includes the good news of our salvation. And even though we cannot earn our own salvation, God has made a way through Jesus Christ for us to experience forgiveness. 
So Galatians 2.16 tells us that no person can be justified by keeping God's law and doing good works. Instead, we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in Christ Jesus and are justified by faith in him, not by the works of the law. No human being will be justified by doing good works. In order to understand what this verse is saying, it is very important to understand what we mean by justification. Justification addresses how we sinful humans come into the presence of a holy God. Consider this, since God is holy and we are sinful, we are under his wrath and his judgment, and rightfully so. We are not capable of erasing our own debt. So what justification does is that it is the term that we use to describe Jesus' work to pay our debt and declare us innocent in God's eyes. Since Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, if we trust in him for salvation, God no longer sees us as sinners. Instead, he sees the righteousness of Christ in us. This is what is called a marvelous exchange. Jesus took on and bore our sins so that we could have his righteousness and stand forgiven before God. We'll read about that in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. So what happened is that Jesus willingly stepped into our place so that we could be in his place. This doesn't mean that God fails to see our sin anymore. It's a much more than that. Not only does God not see our sin, he instead sees the righteousness of Jesus. Our debt isn't just paid, it is paid in full. And Romans 3 verses 21 through 26 explains this process in more detail. And verse 24 says that we are justified by the grace through the redemption we have by being in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say that this process makes it possible for God to remain righteous even while declaring righteous the one who places his or her faith in Jesus. This marvelous exchange allows God to be the author of salvation and also remain holy. He is righteous and declares us righteous. So I want to dig a little bit more deeply into this idea of how, is, how were Old Testament saints justified in the way that New Testament saints are justified as well? Is there some kind of difference? Are they the same? Well, Paul uh, unfolds this for us a little bit in Romans 3 and Romans 4. So we'll dig a little bit deeper here that many people think the New Testament's idea of salvation and justification through faith is different from the Old Testament's way of salvation. Yet Romans 4 tells us that it was Abraham's faith, not his works, that justified him in the sight of God. And you can read about that in Romans 4, verses 1 through 12. He believed what God said, and that was counted or credited to him as righteousness. And we can read the original story account of this in Genesis 15, verse 5 and 6. Paul also quoted David, who spoke of the blessing of being forgiven and having his sins covered by faith apart from works in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. No one has ever been able to work for his or her salvation, and salvation has always been by faith, believing what God will, that God will do what he said he would do. But what about us today? Do we need to earn salvation? Of course not. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it reminds us that salvation is a gift from God. It's not by our works. We simply need to personally trust Christ to save us. We, we cannot brag about our spiritual accomplishments. And we should be humbled at what God has done for us. And as a result, do good works out of gratitude, not through duty. There's a few resources that I would give to you because what we've really unfolded in this lesson is what I would call apologetics. And apologetics is rooted in the word apologios, which we find in, um, in Peter in his epistles where he told us to give an answer, be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks us of the hope that is in us. That answer is translated. So we use the word apologetics. 
It just means that as Christians, we are ready and equipped to share the good news and the gospel and the reality of God and Christ Jesus to anyone that asks and any opportunity that we have to witness. There's some really good resources that I would share. I would say if you're going to try, I think every parent and everybody who teaches children the gospel should get this book. It's called Show Them Jesus by a man named Jack Klumpenhauer, and he uses a powerful illustration um, to uh, kind of illustrate this um, a term we used earlier about justification. And he uses a report card. I encourage you to get the book because it's such a helpful illustration to explain what justification is and this exchange of grades of a report card. Another book that I encourage you to get is a book called Tactics by Gregory Kokel. Very helpful for um, just everyday exchanges where we'll meet people, we see opportunity to share the gospel and how we can approach that in a way that's non-threatening and allows us time to really think through what the Holy Spirit would have us to say. So Tactics is a great resource as well. You'll find other uh, helpful resources about, say for instance, the resurrection of Christ and other things like um, works by Lee Strobel, Mike Lycona, um, Josh McDowell, uh, different folks like that, um, that you can find some really helpful resources from. So I encourage you to continue to sharpen um, your ability to respond and share the gospel with others. So all that to say, how are we supposed to um, respond and utilize this understanding that we just looked at here today? Well, the first thing is that we trust only in Jesus' work on the cross, and we must then share the good news with others. So how would you explain how good works fit in the Christian life? Here's the way that I would phrase it. We do good works out of appreciation for what Christ has done for us, not to try to earn his favor and salvation. And that's something that we want to communicate to young people and children earlier, that they do good works out of what Christ has done, not to try to earn favor from God. Secondly, why is salvation by faith in Christ alone such good news? Well, I think the answer to that is that we can be saved even though we fall short of God's perfect standard. Remember the diagnosis illustration, that our disease is not without a remedy, that Jesus paid the penalty that we owed for our sins, and therefore we're obligated to share the good news of that remedy of what Christ has done to anyone who will hear and listen. So if this has been helpful to you, um, we're going to look next week one more time here in the book of Romans and really the extent of salvation and atonement and um, for whom did Christ die? All those different kind of questions we'll try to unpack in next week's lesson. So I hope you'll join us. Thank you again for um, listening here to the Calvary Couples podcast. We'll look forward to being together next time. Mm -hmm.